men will spend their health to acquire their wealth, only to later in life spend most of their wealth to regain their health. Did you know that I have three really complicated relationships in my life? With me, myself, and I? Close. My relationship with money, my relationship with people, and my relationship with self. And they're all connected together because when my relationship with money got out of whack, it totally had an impact on those other relationships. That, my friend, is what we call having financial sobriety. So who are you? I'm Matthew Grishman. Who are you? Jim Gebhardt. And we're a couple of financial advisors trying to have an untraditional conversation about our favorite topic, money. Let's go. What are you grateful for? I think in the context of us being back in studio for the first time since Methuselah was a baby, uh, <laughs> being in studio today with you and Ace. Yeah. And having having chit-chat, banter, dialogue, conversation, lecture, all of all the above. And it's been, as you would say, it's been a minute since we've been in studio. A minute? Six months? I think Ace plus, was telling me since June. Plus or minus? Yeah, so we're on we're on seven eight months of a of a sabbatical. How was your sabbatical? Oh, lovely, uh, almost like a cruise ship. All right. Yeah. What, what's on your gratitude list? Uh, whew, I'm with you, brother. I'm grateful to be back in here because it has been a minute. I can't believe we did record in June because I think I was already in a bad mood by then. I'm just I, my gratitude is simple. I'm on this side of the dirt. I'm upright. I'm yeah, alive. We'll get, we'll get there. I'm breathing O2. Well, sometimes that gratitude is good enough. It doesn't have to be a big, long list of really cool stuff for me. Part of the sabbatical has taught me that just my eyeballs opening up today and having a day, being here, leaving it all out on the field, whatever that looks like today, kind of taking today as if it were the last day. If I wake up tomorrow and get another one, awesome. Just living that way. Yeah. Let's go back to our last day in studio. Hmm. What's happened in your life since then? Hmm. Update us. <laughs> Tell a story or two. <laughs> Or three or thrice. Well, I was surprised that Ace shared that we were in studio in June because the, the saga of the sabbatical really started on April 13th. Sitting was it in, paying your taxes? No, I, I was getting ready to pay my taxes. And the way I was preparing for tax day was taking my very first heated yoga class. There's nothing like 95-degree yoga to kickstart the tax season. But sitting in—I mean, this is sitting in my very first yoga class— and keeping up pretty good for a little while. But then... Your first heated yoga. First heated yoga ever. I okay. had been doing yin yoga for a while, and I just wanted to up my game a little bit. I just I wanted to take it up a notch. Scott, the instructor of the class, was very generous. He was very kind and very attentive as far as just do what you can. Don't worry about keeping up. Go at your own pace. I love instructors like oh, that. Oh, he was the best. Yeah. So I, I went to my normal place, and what was cool was after this, what's called flow class, was going to be my normal yin yoga class. So I knew, hey, look, I'm going to do my best in this class and we'll see, you know, the next class is my regular see what the day brings. class. Well, yeah, we'll see what the day brings. About 10 minutes into the class, I was starting to get gassed. I was keeping up nicely. Oh, and I was- Did you have a burrito or something? You were no, gassy? Uh, no, 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 no. Gassed. Gassed. Yeah, no. Gassy and yoga, that's my yin yoga class. Right. When you're laying there on the floor and it's silent in the room and- Gotcha. So uh, boom, Boomer, they would call that tired today, uh, just to help translate that. Tired, thank you. But you, you. were, you were gassed. I'm, lear I'm learning. Well, you know, this is our fifth year of financial sobriety, the podcast. So I'm going to learn 
learn the new language, the, get, get the with senior, the kids. The senior senator from uh, Long Island. <laughs> exactly. Get with the kids. All right. So you were gassed. I was tired. I was exhausted. So I sat down, and as I sat down, I took this big, deep breath, and all of a sudden, wham, my heart just started racing inside my chest. Now, wow. I've shared a couple times in studio that I've had some anxiety over the years. I've dealt with anxiety over the years. So that's what I thought this was, a little bit of anxiety. I said, I'm just going to... And in in that context, you know exactly what to do if and when that happens. I played golf with you before when you had one of these. Oh, that's right. you, you, you have, if you will, your own protocol for what you do. Yes. Okay. I generally sit down. I loosen everything that's on me, and I just breathe. Luckily, I was sitting in T-shirt and shorts, so I just sat there breathing, and after 10 minutes, nothing changed. My heart was just racing, so I got scared. I stood up, told the teacher I was going to sit outside for a little bit and get some fresh air, and I'll be right back. So this is 15 minutes into an hour-long yoga class. I sit down outside of the lobby, kind of collapse onto the floor where it was cooler. I was reaching for my phone to text you, Because you had talked to me before about, you know, hey, I've had this thing in the gym where my heart races. And it, you know, it goes at a real scary pace and then it goes away. So I was was trying to text you to find out, okay, when does this go away? Maybe the same thing is happening to me. But it wouldn't go away. 45 minutes later, I'm still sitting on the floor. I was trying to collect my own pulse and I couldn't. The door opens up, the class empties out, and there I am and people surround me trying to help me. I was really scared. Uh, Someone in my class was an ER doctor. Of course they were. Who looked at me and said, I think you're having a supraventricular tachycardia, SVT for short, which just... Supra? Supra. Supra. Ventricular. Ventricular tachycardia. Yes. Yes. Which generally is not a dangerous thing to happen unless it starts becoming out of control like mine was, because this was going on for 45 minutes. Which sounds too long. It sound it was too long, so he tried to help me do what's called a conversion of this to try to get my heart rhythm back. Now I've I've never I've never had heart issues. I've never, in fact, a good friend of mine is a cardiologist. I used to give him a lot of crap about why can't you be an oncologist instead of a cardiologist because no one in my family has heart disease. We all have cancer issues. You're like so not helpful to me. Right. As a matter of fact, he's even been in studio before. (laughs) That's right. That friend of mine, Doctor Rishi, has been here before. Thank God for that friend now. But I've you know I've never had heart issues. So I didn't know what was going on. This doctor was trying to get me to convert my rhythm by like bearing down and blowing on my thumb. Nothing was happening. 911, ambulance, Roseville Fire Department, everybody shows up and now they're trying to get like medication into my arms to convert my heart rhythm. Thankfully they did. They got this medication in me called adenosine, which just, it like control all delete, like resets your heartbeat. It was weird. My heart stopped for a little bit and then reset while I was awake. It was one of the weirdest feelings I've ever experienced. And then once that happened, my heart rate got back to normal. What was amazing was my heart rate was 248 beats a minute. Wow. Mm-hmm. For almost an hour. The most my heart rate has ever been has it been in the low 180s. Wow. In a spin class where I was just shredding the bike. And my heart at 182 felt like it was about a foot and a half outside of my shirt. Yes. Right, pounding back and forth. Yes. It, what was the number? 200? 248. 248 beats a minute. Yep. And I could see it, right? I could see it in my shirt. I could see my heart pounding. 
They couldn't take my pulse. They had to put me on a machine to get that. And I, I was looking up. Amy had shown up at this point. Of course, you know, I handed my phone to one of the employees at the gym and said, here, hit this button, call my wife. And, of course, she was already walking into the gym for the next yoga class that Which we were going to do together. Sure. You were going to yin together. And she was a little surprised, to say the least, to find out that all the emergency vehicles outside were for me. So she came up, and I looked up at her. This was uh, one of the most surreal moments of my life, uh, sitting there on the floor. And I looked up, and the EMT's talking to Amy, and he said, his heart rate's at 248. His blood pressure is dropping. He's going to crash any minute. We need to get him converted. And it was like at that moment, I just took a deep breath, and I looked at Amy, and we, like, made this eye contact. I was like, wow. <laughs> this wasn't the plan today, like dying no, I mean, here the on the floor at at my gym. Oh, I thought you meant convert from Judaism to Lutheran. That's what I was hoping. Because Amy's, Amy's Lutheran. Right, exactly. Very devout practicing Lutheran. <laughs> Right, we were waiting for the for the minister to show sure, up the to, conversion to go through the conversion ceremony. class. Right, it's a wow, it's a surreal moment, and I hate that word because it's so used, it's so overused. But it just it was. I felt everything did everything slow down everything in a way. Stopped. I felt like outside of myself. Yeah, you and were like looking back at it all, looking and, outside of you yes, on it. Third person. It was yeah. like this third person experience, and and I had this moment of gratitude. Like okay, like it, it was disbelief, no way, very quickly to this almost acceptance, like, wow, this is it. If this is the last yoga class I'm ever going to take. This is it. And there she is. Wow. And I'm not drunk on a barroom floor somewhere. I'm not broke. I'm not where I was many, many years ago that could have and should have killed me. You know, I'm like at a yoga class and my wife's in front of me and I'm sober in so many different ways in my life. And there was like this moment of gratitude. Like, okay, I didn't want this to be it, but if it is, we did okay. Like, there was like this acceptance. It's hard. It's really hard to explain unless sure. you've been there. Sure. I'm, no, I just, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> I'm not planning on that. <laughs> yeah. It just, you, you, the, re the rest of the team can consult with Rishi. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a moment. So, luckily, that medication worked and it converted my heart rate and my blood pressure started to increase. I looked at the EMTs, and I asked for permission to go take my yin yoga class. And they laughed. <laughs> they laughed and said, no, you're, you're, you're going, going to the, the hospital. hospital. Yeah. So that kind of began the whole journey. And looking back on it, that moment, that SVT saved my life. As scary as it was and as much as it seemed like it could have cost me my life, it wound up saving my life. Why is that? Because two days later, my our dear friend Rishi had me meeting with his cardiology team. He recused himself from my direct care because of our friendship. Sure. But as my advocate, which was so wonderful to have him be that for me, I'm so grateful. He still is that for me. He had me go meet with his partners. And in the process of discussing this electrical disorder in my heart, this SVT, as the doctor was listening to my heart, he asked me, have you talked to your primary care physician about your heart murmur? What, 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 what? Exactly. Excuse me? Didn't know. If it weren't for that SVT, we wouldn't have found this severe regurgitation of my aortic valve, which was in the process of causing a lot of damage to my heart. And what the doctors basically shared with me is had that little electrical short not happened and brought me in to see the doctors to find this little valve leakage, 
I would have just carried on with life without symptoms, probably one day fainted, and then I would have wound up in the hospital in heart failure, probably needing a transplant. So wow, I'm grateful for that experience, as scary as it was. What's happened since then and what's kept me out is we wound up having to replace that aortic valve that wasn't cooperating, which was a lovely procedure on September 8th of this year. Last year. Last year. Wow, that was last year. Thank God. Yeah, we're in a new year now. Yeah, now we put a wrap on last year. Yes, a sternotomy, open heart surgery to replace that valve, which uh, we're still recovering from that. So my gratitude, my relationship with pain has changed. My relationship with life and death has changed. We could probably do an entire season on the show on how my relationship with myself, my relationship with my people, and my relationship with my money, those three oogie, messy, complicated relationships we all have, how much those have changed just given this experience I've had for the last year. It's everything in life feels like it's changed to some extent. I can imagine why. Yeah, yeah. It's taken me a little while. It's taken me the better part of the year. I'm starting to see how this is happening for me. Well, the SVT sure happened for you. Poof. That was a pretty obvious one because the doctors told me why that happened for me. <sighs> to have my chest cracked open and have to heal from that and deal with the pain that comes with that, how has that happened for me and seeing the ways that that has happened for me and not to me? Because, boy, I'll tell you, I've spent plenty of time in my head wondering why this is happening to me. But slowly over time, why not me? I mean, I haven't had a health issue my entire life. Why not me? And how this has been happening for me has been wonderful. And it's going to come out as our show progresses and as we get into 2024 and the people we have in studio and the topics we talk about and and how financial sobriety as a show in its fifth season is evolving and changing, I think is a, is a reflection of what's changing in both of our lives, right? I've, I've had health challenges You've been making some changes in your life that you may choose to talk about at some point. That's not my story to tell. We'll leave that up to you to share when you're ready. And and I think as as our lives are changing and you and I are making changes as a result of some things that are out of our control, I think the nature of what we talk about in here in studio is going to change a little bit. You and I are both in our early 50s. <laughs> Go for, yes. Sometimes I wonder if I'm in my early 80s, but yes, early 50s. And in my experience with family, friends, clients, is if you've been a healthy sort up until then, that's when stuff starts to appear. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite books was written in 1896. So your favorite book from 1896. Which I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Did they turn it into a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> It talks about the concept of, and again, this is turn of the century, so this was all about men, Mm -hmm. right? Women really weren't in the workforce, but it talks about how men will spend their health to acquire their wealth, only to later in life spend most of their wealth to regain their health. I've heard you say that before. I didn't know where that came from. Yes, Mm. that's where where that comes from. That's like a classic from 1896? Well, I find the great irony about that. Hmm is how nothing's changed. And that this the uh, another one of the phrases in the book that I remember is the this is it the scourge I think the scourge of our time is the hurried pace in which we live and how 
whatever was before a, an antacid, I think it was a peptide of some kind, mm-hmm. was becoming popular because of the hurried meals and the rush and the pace. And I'm like, oh yeah, from 1900, re- yeah. really? Here we are 120 years later, and we've not evolved. Sure. So the the where I'm going with it is, my while my health challenges have not been as acute and severe as yours, mine are more in the you know long term. Yeah. Uh, disease risk category. Creeping up over time. Creeping up. Yeah. And better write the ship. Yeah. If you don't write the ship, the the path's pretty clear on what, you know, hey, Bob, tell us what uh, Jim has won. Right. Early uh, death. Right. <laughs> Yay. By uh, misery. Yeah. So it, it's just, I, I think it's one of those things where you've been super healthy until you weren't. Right. And God bless the fact that you had the SVT. Because you'd be a statistic, right? Absolutely. Every, everybody would, the, the show would be like, what happened to Matthew? Mm-hmm. I, it, perfectly healthy. Yeah. Just, he dropped one day. What, I, Another story I, of I, a healthy I, dude who dropped at the gym. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I And and that the, that's the hardest part for me to get my brain around now. And again, we got a whole year of the show to explore this stuff. The hardest part that I'm trying to wrap my head around now is why am I the guy who didn't drop at the gym? Why am I the guy who got the other chance, the second chance? Yes. Right? There because we go. Because why wise, am I not there we a go, statistic? Wise, there we go, wise one. Uh-huh. Because that, you know, the, the I don't know if you want to call it survivor's guilt, but there are plenty of people. You know how many, how many people have told me stories of people who are, hey, my brother was the one who was healthy and dropped at the gym? Our, our assistant. Our assistant yes. of many, many years. Yes. Her husband died in the... Ambulance after dropping from a widowmaker heart attack. Yes. Had no... No warning. Warning. Right. So why did I get a warning? I mm. Because some... I And I believe this, that, you know, for whatever reason, the universe isn't done with me yet. For whatever reason. And not to say that the universe was done with those people at that time. I wish I had a Yoda <laughs> impression I could do. Yeah. Good that is. Yes. That's 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 what I'm still struggling with getting my brain around <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I would, so little, I would little think bits, so. Little bits. Okay, so there's just some obvious questions here. Yeah. In those darkest moments, post surgery, post recovery. Yeah. You're home alone. Yeah. You're in pain. Yeah. Right. Everybody's gone back to work because there's only so much time you can take off. Yeah. I mean, how did you? What What did you lean on? <laughs> In the beginning? In the beginning to get you through the day. In the beginning? There were times I wanted to die. In the beginning. I believe it. There were times before my surgery where there was so much fear around the unknown and so much, why is this happening to me? It's like, what's the point? My head just went down some really dark, deep spirals. I mean, I I remember conversations with you where pre-surgery, you you didn't think you were going to survive. Yeah. And then post-surgery, you didn't necessarily want to. Right. Right. Before surgery, I wasn't sure if I was going to after surgery. So what'd you do? Because you're still here. Yeah. I don't think it was Sudoku. There are... There are two very, very, very important relationships I've learned to lean on in my darkest times. One is my faith in a power greater than myself that I don't fully understand. 
which is really an extension of my relationship with me, is that belief in that there's just something bigger than me out there. And I really leaned on that. And when I mean leaned on that, I would have very, I would ask very frank conversation. I'd have these, these angry conversations. In your head or out loud? Out loud. Out sitting, loud. Sitting in my house by myself. I mean, friends would call me and give me like Netflix ideas and here's the way that you can spend it, some time. Yeah. I sat there in my house for eight weeks basically with the TV off staring at a wall in thought, having conversations with, you know, what some might call God, my, my you know, the universe, higher power, whatever you want to call it. Why? What? What? What do you want from me? Why is this happening? Why does this hurt so freaking goddamn much? I mean, just yelling, what, wanting an answer. Some of my most spiritual friends told me that was a form of prayer, even though I was screaming and yelling at my higher power. Having that relationship when I was all by myself, when it got quiet and I was done yelling, the answers would come. And they wouldn't necessarily come in the form of, like, words in my head. It was more like this feeling of, you're okay. And then the second relationship would show up, and that was the relationship I have with my very closest people, my 2 a.m. club. You are taking care of the business. Check the box. My relationship with money, <laughs> didn't have to worry about that. For the first time in my life, that relationship, box, check. To have Amy, my boys, you, Ace. Mom and dad. Mom and dad. My brother, Rishi, my friend Matt, I really didn't want a lot of people around. I pushed a lot of people away. But those that I'm closest to kind of forced themselves on me. I remember when Rishi and Matt showed up in my hospital room. I was like, damn it, I don't want you here. Cool. Well, we're going to hang out for a little while. And I'm so grateful they did. And then after an hour, it's like, okay, I'm done. You can leave now. I just, I need to be alone now. That relationship with self and that relationship with people is really what did it for me. And, and it would get you through the day. It would get me through the day. Because, and, and that's all I needed was to get through the day. Many times, you know, the nights weren't exactly, you know, a lap of leisure. No, no, I didn't sleep well at night. And, and so there were, there were slogans that I would use this too shall pass, right? And, and just one day at a time. Live and let live. God help me, right? I mean, there were these things that I would just say, and I'd mean it, and they would get me through the day. And then I'd wake up in the morning and... Do it again. I would practice gratitude first thing in the morning. I might be in pain. I might be miserable. I might be pissed off, but I'm alive. And as long as I'm alive, I've got a fighting chance to do something about it. And then it was up and down all day long. Just getting through one day at a time and kind of trudging that road every day until one day it didn't hurt as much. And it did. This too shall pass. It got a little better with each day. And then, you know, a little couple steps back, we got to go back and spend a few more days in the hospital at some point. And I'm still dealing with discomfort now. I have this condition called recurring pericarditis, where it literally feels like sandpaper in my chest rubbing up against my heart. It's, you know, again, my relationship with pain has dramatically changed, dramatically, right? I used to stub my toe and I would cry like I broke my foot. Sure. 
Purple uh, Heart, please. Yeah, I mean, I was at like a nine on the pain scale post-surgery. So now, you know, I would say this is a one or a two. But it's this like persistent death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. It's just this like gnawing, persistent discomfort. But learning how to live with that, my relationship with myself, my relationship with people, my relationship with my higher power, and crazy enough, a little bit of my relationship with money have all kind of contributed to, you know, helping me be okay with how I am. Because I ain't back yet. Like physically, mentally, emotionally, we're still in the recovery process. I'm yeah, still well, healing. Do you remember what they told you the recovery process was time-wise? A year. A year. Yeah. Everybody said it. And what, what month is this? Uh, what are we at? Month five? Month four. Fifth uh, October 8th, November 8th, December 8th, January 8th. There we go. Yeah. So we're starting the fifth month. Almost halfway there, baby. If only there was a there there. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of a timeline, you're not even halfway to the point. And, I mean, certainly from outward appearances, sure. you're you're doing great. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not on the inside. But it's not even major surgery. It's massive surgery. You're on a heart and lung machine for... An 40, hour and a half? 48 minutes. 48 minutes. 48 minutes. I was uh, breathing and living on a machine. My heart and lungs were shut down. Right. Yeah, it was... Sometimes I, I minimize that a little bit. I get I it. I forget about that. I get it. But it was. It was It was pretty major. And it feels good to be back here. I didn't know if I'd ever be back here. I didn't know if I'd be able to do this again. Be able to sit. Because, I, again, I feel different. I, I feel like my brain processes words differently. I feel like my just presence in studio it just it feels a little different everything's kind of changed i don't know the way i look at life has changed the way i feel about life has changed we've had a guest in studio a couple times that talks about post-traumatic growth and we may have to bring her back in to explore this topic because you are definitely in the category of post-trauma yeah I, I i buy that i get that again sometimes it's hard for me to give myself that grace because hey it's it's surgery it's a routine surgery that lots of people do sure it was it was it was similar to you know an appendectomy or you know having your gallbladder removed laparoscopically yeah not not so much no i not so much i know and where i do feel really good and where i do in the morning like feel really good about myself is the persistence i've had in the recovery that it's not just a physical recovery i go to a cardiac rehab class three days a week, trying to get my physical health back. I've re-engaged with some of the 12-step work, like thrown myself. Not that I ever stopped doing that, but, you know, you can... Sure, it works so well, you kind of... Kind of slow down a little bit. Sure. So re recommitting that for some of my emotional health and and working with a, with a psychiatrist and dealing with some of my mental health and, you know... Post-trauma. Post-trauma and just putting that all together and putting a lot of effort on taking care of me and realizing my priorities of putting myself and my health and my self-care first, not because it's a selfish thing, but it's because I want to be able to be there for the people I love and the clients that depend upon us. That's very important to me. We had a client in the office today where we were probably making some of the biggest decisions for that client or helping that client make some of the biggest, most important decisions they will ever make in their lifetime. And to be... Because of... Because of health issues. Health. Yes. 
to be recovered enough to be so fully present in that meeting that I could have a meaningful impact in their decision-making process and in the outcome of the whole thing, that means everything to me. That, my friend, has been one of the secrets to my recovery, is something we've always talked about here in studio. I can get in my own head about why is this happening to me? I feel like crap. I physically hurt. It's like I can focus on that, and then the hurt amplifies. If I focus on it, it amplifies. But the quickest way that I can get out of my own head is through somebody else's heart. Because what you've always taught me is what I focus on flourishes. Bingo. And as I focus on the positives, as I focus on gratitude, as I focus on my healing, as I focus on my recovery— as I focus on having impact on and helping others, those aspects of my life tend to flourish. I'm still in discomfort. It's there. But I'm really working hard every day with the people I spend time with, how I spend my time to take the focus off of that discomfort and put the focus elsewhere. I'm sure there's people listening today that are going through some trauma. Whether the trauma is health-related, relationship-related, financial-related, you name it. Addiction, addiction-related. Welcome right? to our world. Trauma is everywhere. Everywhere. What would be a thing or two that you—I mean, you've imparted a lot in the conversation today that I know people are going to be grateful for. But in that—I mean, you, you said you, lean, you leaned on a, on a power higher, mm-hmm. a, a higher power source than you. Yes, is there anything else that you can share with that listener that just doesn't know how they're going to go on because of whatever pain they find themselves in, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, relationship, whatever, financial, whatever it is? Because yes. as, as we've explored on the show before, you and I have both been there. Yeah. I mean, I, I sat many times in bed at night in 2008, nine. Yeah, begging. Begging for the good Lord to take me. Yep. So in my own way, right, as we say many times, when you're telling your story, I'm in, head, I'm in my head with my story on my darkest days Yeah, when it's like, God, it would just be just so much better if I could have a heart attack and just – because I, I, I was worth more dead than alive. Yeah, brother, ab- absolutely. I was, I, was laying, I was laying in pre-op for my heart catheterization before surgery where they needed to check – the arteries in my heart, because hey, if we're going to go in there and replace a valve, let's yeah, make sure let's we're not dealing roto, with. Let's call rotor reader. Right. And in th- case. thankfully, I have zero coronary artery disease. So sure, eat no, more, I got, I got that. Right, eat more That's, bacon is part of my no. I got future. that. I got that one. You covered. got that one. Yeah. Good, good, good. The nurse, the the nurse, the intake nurse was asking me in bed. Okay, now these are standard questions. But have you ever had any thoughts of hurting yourself? Well, no, I'm not going to hurt myself. But yeah, I mean. I've been kind of wondering, like, what's the point? And, like, you could hear a pin drop in the room. And next thing you know, social workers are coming in to ask me questions to see if I was worthy of a good old 5150 for the day. So I've definitely had these really, really dark thoughts. Um, Thankfully, nothing that I want to take action on. Here's what's helped me the most. And And this goes back to, like, if you listen to the early days of the show, right, when the financial issues and yeah, some of the alcohol issues. One. Yeah, right? Or two. Any of the trauma that I've ever experienced, a lot of what helped me through this was leaning on some of the things that I learned through past trauma that I knew to be true, even though at the time it was really hard. 
the temporary nature of how I was feeling, knowing that it was temporary, knowing that, so that saying, this too shall pass. I had to keep reminding myself over and over again that this is temporary. This is not forever. This is going to come to an end at some point. Hang on. You got to get there. Just whatever you got to do, this is going to pass. So the faith... The faith in the temporary nature of the condition... Is is what you anchored on. Yes. And what somebody who may be listening could anchor on... Yes. ...is that this situation is temporary. It will. And, and everything in life is temporary. 100%. We have to—you you have to go into this—if you're listening today to this conversation, you either are going to or you're not. You're going to make a choice. You either believe what we're saying and the experiences that you and I have had— or someone's not going to believe it. Looking at life, everything in life I have ever experienced is a temporary experience, including the forever love I have confessed to my wife, right? She's my forever love. We met when we were babies and basically in utero, and we've been together ever since. We have professed this lifelong love, but guess what? Our marriage is a temporary thing. At some point, even in the best-case circumstances, we're married for 80 years and live a long life, one of us is eventually going to graduate. The marriage will be over. The house that I live in today, eventually there'll be a new family It'll living in. It'll be a in. mall. The jo- right. It could be a mall or a <laughs> rental. It could be a rental if I'm smart, right? This studio that we're sitting in today at some point will not be the Hear Me Now studio owned by Jeff the Ace Holden, right? This is all temporary, including the trauma we experience. Everything in life is temporary. So I needed that that's what got me through it that in my darkest anchor. hours. Yes, the the temporary nature. Now, in the in the thick of it, how would I get through those temporary moments? Leaning on others. My people were my rock. Out of my head into your heart was the key for getting through those moments. I don't know, it's maybe say that a couple more times. Out of my head is through your heart. That's what got me through the hardest moments where the pain was the most. And then it would subside a little bit. There's a group out of L.A. called Heart Math. I think they're still around. It's been a minute since I've checked out their website. Childress, Dr. Childress? Is that- oh, very good. Thank you. Look at you, foggy brain. <laughs> uh, no bad. foggy brain syndrome no, for you. No, not today, apparently. The electromagnetic resonance of the heart is multitudes of the brain. Now, to pull this into a much more pedestrian conversation around wealth management, <laughs> when and then Way we'll wrap. Go. Way to go! Is we always talk with clients when we're going through some of our exercises that are that are very. Some people would say they're heady, mm-hmm. but what do, what do we always drive them towards? We always point, and if you're you know if you're not seeing the video on this, we always point to the chest versus the head. Feel this, don't think it. And so much of that, in my experience, goes back to this heart math, that if you can jump into somebody else's heart or you can connect with someone at the heart level and you already have your people that you're connected with at the heart level, by throwing yourselves into, you know, into their heart, it gets you out of your head. Yes. Because well, the head, the head space, whew, whew, we could have... Qualified professionals talk more about it, but as a, as a couple of amateurs that know a wee bit, you know, a thing or two, 
I mean, new show, new year, but the jokes are still old. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. You did? I did. Wow. I did. Well, how many of your thoughts hijacked your feelings while you were staying in the Holiday Inn Express? There you go. Yes. So, I mean, that that's just some of the wisest advice I think we can ever dispense is is jumping into somebody else's heart to help you get out of your head. Well, and, we're show, and what I appreciate is we're showing people how to do that because it's it's for such a cerebral society that we are where it's all about thinking and keeping our busy brain occupied. It's not easy to learn how to drop down from our head into our heart and and use that muscle to do more of our feeling rather than our head to do our thinking. And we've shared this on the show and we will continue to share this on our show, the difference between thinking thoughts and feeling feelings versus thinking feelings and feeling thoughts and how our heads can completely hijack our feelings and tell us what we're feeling even though it's really just a thought. And I hope that totally blew your mind and confused the whole thing, but I can see a lot more conversation coming forward about that. Thank you for having the courage to share all of that today. There's a lot there for our audience as we kick off the year, but we had to do a little bit of honest backfill on where we've been. It hasn't been gardens and pastures and, you know, on a walkabout in the Himalayans. It's <laughs> well, been, in a way it has it's, been. <laughs> it's been in the trenches of life dealing with the here and the now. Yeah. So kudos to you. It's absolutely a thrill to be back in studio. Oh, it's awesome. The shape, context, and nature of the show will shift, but one of the concepts we're going to kick the year off with after our little, you know, update here is one of our favorite concepts, what you focus on flourishes. So stay tuned for that for our next episode. And with that, brother, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. The comments made in this program are solely those of the host. If you or someone you know has had thoughts of suicide or harm to yourself or others, please call 988 and seek out proper professional medical care. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.